Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Good morning, Annette. How are you and where are you? Hi, thank you. I'm good. I'm in the Fairfax, Virginia. Thank you so much for making time. I know it's coming into the evening for you, but making time for this uh, conversation. And I, I only know a little bit so far about your story of, of uh, your career history and I'm really excited and interested in finding out more about you about what you've done and how you got into that and uh, also about how you got into what you're doing now and and the the sort of work that you're doing now so could you give us a, a, a quick little snapshot what is it that you used to do for work and what is it that you do now how do you answer that Sure. So I actually retired from the army for almost four years ago. So I did that for over 17 years. Wow. And then now I'm actually a, uh, I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a blogger and the podcaster focusing on mental health. Fantastic. And you know, that is such important work and I'm really uh, excited about finding out more about that and uh, how you've observed things have changed, if you have observed that they've changed in the last few years and obviously how you got into that and all of the, that goodness. But before that, I'm actually intrigued, 17 years in the Army, how did that come about? Was that something that did you grow up in a, a family with military connections or how did the, the Army career start, come about? You know, I, I didn't even know that I had an uncle and a, and a grandfather that was in the military till later on after I had decided to join. I was actually going to enlist right out of high school because I had a friend who did that. And, I, you know, I, I went to an all-girl Catholic high school, so that was, like, unheard of. There yeah. Was just a, there's just a few of us who wanted to do the military, but one in particular, she she enlisted, and I was like, I want to do that. I thought it was just so amazing, but I got scared. I was not even 18 yet, and I said, mm, maybe I need to wait. So yeah. I, I did my community college for a year and a half, and then I went on to the university, and at the university, they offered what's called ROTC, a Reserve Officer Training um, Corps program to where I could try it out. So I did some training at, in college and I decided I, I wanted to try it. I don't know why. And everybody was like, what are you doing? So <laughs> I said, I don't know. I just want to try it out. So I initially wanted to just do three years, but it ended up that I met my husband my senior year of college and he was he wanted to make a career out of it and I just followed his footsteps. So I just Every time he went somewhere else, I said, okay, I guess I'll do it. And then 17 years later, I was like, what happened? <laughs> Wowzers. I find that I'm really fascinated by that because I love it when, you know, I get to talk with people who have this, this calling, this interest, this passion that's just there, particularly from a young age. And I'm curious for you, what 
do you think, if you can remember back then, but what do you think was it that appealed to you about the the military life? I, I just think that <laughs> the uniforms were cool. <laughs> and that you did not think that. I think, well, it, okay, so it was, I think the men that were in the uniform and their authority, their authority figure, and they were just somebody that I looked up to that I thought was just amazing because I didn't know how it was in the military life. I didn't really know about it. So uh, all I knew was, okay, I'm going to join the army. And I didn't even do any research for any of the other branches. It was like the army is it, and that's what I want to do. And so when I you know, I did the training in college and the more I did it, the more I found out about it and the more training I did, I was like, "Mm, I, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I I don't know how I survived it. I just know that I had some, I have some amazing friends that I call family from it. And that's what Mm -hmm. kept me going. Right. Right. And look, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think sometimes when there is that inner calling, we can't necessarily always explain it, but it's just something that pulls you forward or pulls you in that direction. Yes. I just feel like I had to prove something to myself, so I had to keep going. Yeah, because my understanding of, you know, the army is that I assume that it is pretty tough, like it's physically tough, it's mentally tough. Then you've got the moving around part as well. So that, there are a lot of significant challenges to keep, I guess, rising up to and, and pushing past. And there definitely was. I, you know, waking up, <laughs> being ready by five in the morning was like, oh dear, that was, that was challenging for me. And, and and in the while you're in the military, it, it's 24 hours, seven days a week. So there's no, you're always, you're a soldier for, you know. 24 seven, you, you cannot pretend like you're not anymore just because it's the weekend. That's, that's your role. That's your job. And so that's, I took it very seriously. And so, and even with the, the men, you know, mentally it, it was tough because I wasn't used to having people in my face or telling me what to do or <laughs> making me, making me go run five miles. I was not used to that. I grew up in a small town. I had a very strict mother, but it was just not, you know, I didn't go camping. So I didn't know anything about any of that. So when I did the training and we slept outside in a tent, I was thinking, what am I doing? This is crazy. I'm freezing. Who does this? (laughs) I would be thinking exactly the same thing. But Annette, can I just remind you, you stayed for 17 years. I I did. And I I think I just, I think it was really just trying to prove to myself that I could do it because I really had so many role models in the military, other female leaders that I just thought, man, if they could do it, I can do it. Now, we all have our different strengths, you know, mentally and physically. So there are real badasses out there that are that I could never imagine doing what they do. But I, you know, just the leadership that I have, the friends that I had, the mentors that I had, that just kept me going to say, okay, I could do this. Cause there's going to be good and they're going to be bad days. Yeah, <laughs> but when, sure. when, when you have soldiers that thank you for being a good leader, that's what really hit my heart. That's when I knew, okay, 
I'm doing something. I'm making a difference. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing you talk about it because I don't know, I probably haven't given it that much thought, but I imagine that it's very similar to many industries or organizations where, as you said, when you have a great leader, some, a mentor, someone that you really admire and look up to and aspire to perhaps be like one day, that can drive you forward. And then when you have a team that perhaps report into you that are relying on you for direction and uh, their own growth, that is also uh, very rewarding. So I guess it's, it's, it's similar to a lot of perhaps more corporate environments, but it's just in an, an army environment rather than a, than a business one. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. It's just in a different capacity. But yes, this applies everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you're in, a, in the business world, if you're surrounded by people that you admire, you're going to want to give it your best and you're going to want to keep going and keep rising. So yes, absolutely. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah. And so then 17 years, you've been moving around uh, and, you know, rising through different ranks and doing all these crazy things. Uh, so then, so then what happened? What prompted the change for you? So I, um, in the army, I, I didn't get selected for the next promotion and, and I was devastated. So, okay. and, and with that, I, I did, I had an option. I could continue somewhere else in the military or I can retire. And I chose to retire. Right. So it's not like, okay, you apply for a job or role and Mm -hmm. you weren't successful. So you keep just doing the same thing until the next time the job comes up. It sounds like it was a a bit of a a, a real, a definite crossroad of if it's not this way, it's out. Yes, it was Mm. at this, at this point in time, I I just, I just didn't make it. So I had to, I had to make a choice and I had to make it quick. Yeah. How did you feel about uh, in that time? Were you feeling like, okay, this is the next step for me? Were you conflicted or you were like excited? What What was going through your mind? No, I, I was, I was devastated because I, I, at this point in time, I had a plan. I wanted to stay in for the next three years. And then after that, I was going to go to this job. And then after that, so I had a plan with this. Mm-hmm. I did not have a plan. This was not in the brochure. Uh, this was not in it. And so, you know, it took me, it took, I had a month to make a decision. So it took me that month to really dig deep and, and figure out, do I want to go take this other job? Cause I, you know, I knew the people and I was excited, <clears throat> but I didn't. I, I just ended up not wanting to do anything because I think at this time I was exhausted. I was mm. mentally exhausted and I had to figure out who I was again because yeah. all I was was this officer in the military every single day and yeah. now I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, it's, it is one of those things that I think when you've been on a career trajectory for a while – and you immerse into it. And I think what it sounds like is in the army, it's similar to being on a, you know, a trajectory in a corporate ladder situation, except with the army, you don't kind of get to the the end of the day or, or Friday night and you go, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm signing off now. Right. <laughs> I've got the weekend because from hearing from what you've said, it's, it's a real vocation in that it's, it's not, a nine to five thing, you might have, you know, t- time rostered off, but you're still embodying 
a member of the military. And so there isn't that opportunity to have the, the downtime. Uh, so I can only imagine when you get to that kind of crossroad and you're now faced with, I've been this for so long, what am I now and what am I next? So you said that you had a, a month to kind of reconsider and rediscover who you were again. What sort of things did you do to try to reconnect with who Annette was separate from the army? So it it wasn't until months later where I, you know, I, I really went into a deep depression and I really lost my identity. I felt like a failure and, it, it, you know, it, it, it took a lot out of me. And it wasn't until I, I started to speak with other people and listening to their own uh, problems when they were trying to reintegrate into the civilian world and, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't I started to realize it wasn't just me and, and that was you know because when we when we leave the service like that we we feel like we're the only people that understand ourselves no one else understands no one else gets it so mm. I I had to hear it from other people so I you know it, it just it was really hard I decided to start writing I, mm-hmm. I needed a way out and writing was the oh was one of the biggest things that really saved my life so mm-hmm. that's what I focused on because that's what I the only thing I knew how to do is just write because I wasn't ready to tell everybody how I was really feeling I really really felt like a failure wow Annette my heart goes out to you I can really uh, only imagine the processing of all of those emotions and that that feeling of of isolation and, and questioning, well, no one else can really understand wh- how I'm feeling because I haven't been on the road that I've been on. It's great that you found writing as something that you could use to channel a little bit of those emotions. Was writing something that you'd always had an interest in or was this just a, a new thing that you thought, well, maybe this is a way I can get it out without having to tell somebody? How did you come across writing? You know, I, I grew up really shy and I was not a good writer <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. So those two things was just not, I never thought that I would be doing now. And so it was new. It was new, but it was the only thing that I, I knew if I wrote down my feelings, at least something was hearing me, even if it's this piece of paper, yeah. at least, <laughs> even, you know, it's something and it, it was mine and no one else could have it so mm-hmm. that was the only thing that yeah it was it was brand new it was a whole new world for me to start writing and to start speaking because I was not really a big I, I oh no speaking in front of crowds deathly afraid I was deathly afraid yeah wow so <laughs> you just decided this is going to be an outlet for me so at that point was there any inkling that that was going to be something that you were going to do for work or what were you considering as your options for uh, work or you were just going, I'm now retired, I don't, I'm not going to be working? I knew I had to do something and I knew that what I had wanted to do was no longer going to happen for me because I was just that depressed. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I wanted to start a blog and I didn't really know about blogs. I just said, well, maybe (laughs) maybe I'll just do a blog and I want to do a website. And so I found someone to help me do my website. And I think once I published it, it was 
there was no way out from that. It was, this was it. And people were just going to know that this was what was going on. And it was scary. I was terrified Mm -hmm. because you just don't talk about stuff like that. You know, I didn't talk about it as a kid. We didn't talk about it in the military. And now I'm going to share it with the world. What am I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) I'll just get it out there. (laughs) I know, but I, you know, I started to receive messages from strangers that thanked me for being so vulnerable. And I just cried because I didn't think I was impacting anybody. I thought this is, people are going to be like, Oh, what's wrong with Annette? What, you know, I didn't know she was going through that. And, you know, cause you don't, unless you can understand or you can sympathize with someone, you, you kind of, We've all done it. We we've judged people for for feeling a certain way. Like why why are you sad? You mm-hmm. you have a good life. Well, you don't really know the invisible wounds that we have. Yeah. So it was. I I think I just needed to just be free, and it felt like I had this complete weight lifted off my shoulders. It was insane. Wow. So can I just check? So you started writing just for yourself initially to sort of start to express these feelings and process them. And so when you decided to start the blog, was that going to be you publishing things that you had already written initially or you decided I'm I'm going to do this blog and and, and here's what it's going to be about? It was a little of both. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did mostly keep the other stuff just aside and I just – I almost, it's like I almost just started over and I knew that I wanted to just get my thoughts out there so that people knew that they weren't alone. So it was almost like my own self-healing journey, but to help other people as well. But again, I didn't know what I was doing. This is all new to me. So yeah, but but you just thought, okay, I'm just going to get it out there to share it with others. And you got some help on the techie side around the website and then you you know, pressed publish and off you go and started connecting from people. So is there a business side of it or is it just a, a, a writing vehicle that you share your thoughts and, you know, uh, connect with others through that? What does the business actually do? So from the blogging, I just, it ended up being that I, I do offer coaching and I started a podcast off of that as well. Mm-hmm. And again, I had no idea <laughs> what I was going to do, but I, I think it's, you know, it's everybody out there that I, I feel needed a space to, to share their thoughts and feelings without being judged. And I wanted mm-hmm. to create that space because I initially just created one for myself. And so the more people that reached out, the more I felt this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And yeah. I love it. So it's all, you know, my stories, real life stories about being a mom, raising teenagers, having Mm -hmm. those days where you just don't want to do anything and it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And so that's what I, that's what I try to share with people. And then of course the, the podcast is where I share other people's stories of any obstacle they've gone through in their life and then how they overcame it. Mm -hmm. So that, that's how, the business side has come is where it's all that it's it's it became so much more than just a blog yeah fantastic but it's uh, its origins are you know deeply personal to you and I love the fact that it's it's become something that 
is such a support for other people as well and, and as well as creating a, a whole new, you know, work-life opportunity for you. And yes. so when you, uh, again, think back, like, in starting the business, there's some things that seem to be common themes in these these interview and conversations that I've been having with people where people feel concerned about certain things. One that often comes up as a concern when people are starting out in business is figuring out what they're going to do. So it sounds like for me, this idea sort of morphed and appeared and and took care of itself. So that doesn't sound like that was a, a challenge for you necessarily. Another one is that comes up really often is around money. And especially when you've been used to a regular income, a salary, working in a role for many years, to then have the questions of, of money coming up around how much will I be able to earn? Can I pay the bills? How much will I charge for my services? Like money includes so many different elements when you shift into working for yourself. For you, were there any factors around money that, that came into play for you or since you've been in business? Yeah, yeah I, had, I had all those fears. I, you know, I didn't really know what this was going to be like. And I, and what I tell people is sometimes there are things you're going to want to do that you can't do it just for the money. And, and yeah. that's, I've always been a saver. So I, my mom taught me to save when I was younger. So I, I've had money aside just in case mm-hmm. I didn't make millions off of this thing. So yeah. I, yes. And so I think, you know, what keeps me going is knowing that I help other people. But of course, you know, I, I do want to monetize. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had to, I had to find other ways to do that and by getting sponsors and, and stuff like that. But I feel that what truly matters the most is what sets your soul on fire. Mm. What are you passionate about? Because if that's what you want to do, that's what you need to go for. Because many of us just settle. We settle for the job because we can, you know, it'll help us pay bills. Yes, I understand that part. But then you also need to find the other thing that you really want to do because we're so scared. Well, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if I don't make enough? Mm. Well, I think nowadays, especially now, we need to really remember that we need to go after that that passion because yeah. you're never you're never going to be happy if it's all about money because you can't make money about everything because if you lose that money, then what? But if you make too much money, are you going to continue to be that same person you are or... You know, it's just there's so many factors involved. Yeah, and it's really great that you raise that because I think there are for a lot of people uh, that are in a situation perhaps they have gotten to uh, a level in a role, they're used to earning a certain decent salary and and there's a comfort and, and perceived security with that and they use that as the excuse to not pursue something that they are really passionate about and I think that that's really why I wanted to do this podcast series is to share as many stories as I can to encourage particularly women to not settle exactly as you're saying to not settle and go oh well it's too late now or you know I'll never be able to earn the same amount of money through doing my own thing as the job that I've got so it's not worth doing and I just think that it's there's so much more to be gained even though I am a fan of women making money and there's lots of opportunities for them even though it's easy in some regards to go okay well I can start a website today if I wanted to like the technology is there 
but it doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to be really easy to turn that business into something that's uh, going to make you millions, as you said. And so there's going to be challenges. And so for me, you want to be doing something in your work life that you care enough about to push through the pain barriers and the inevitable challenges that are going to come up. If you don't care enough about it because you're just doing it for the money, I feel like the first hurdles of something being uncomfortable or difficult, you are going to bail out. Whereas when you really care about something and care about the impact that you're having, you're more likely to push through. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think I hear from you is that, you know, it's, uh, yes, there's money factors to be considered. However, it wasn't a primary motivator. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All of that. The the other thing that seems to be a common um, challenge that people, you know, bring up as as either a reason to not get started or a concern about starting their own thing is not knowing enough about marketing or how to get clients. So for you, because you have a a blog, and I'm really uh, excited to be speaking with you because this is a different kind of business platform than uh, some of the other interviews that I've done, what was your approach to the, I guess, the business building side of things of, of how you've approached promoting the blog or building your audience? Did you have skills that you were able to transfer into that space or how have you gone about that? I had to do, I had to learn to step outside of my comfort zone and and network with other people. And I had to just raise my hand up and say, I need help. Yeah. I don't know how to do, I don't know how to do this. And a lot of us are afraid to do that because in the beginning I was like, I'll just do this by myself. I'll figure it out. Well, yeah. you can try and figure it out, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Cause there's so many people out there that are that are cheering you on that want to see you succeed. And Mm -hmm. so I had to surround myself by people that were just that I had to surround myself by like-minded and like-hearted people that were willing to help and we feed off each other. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to go and learn that you can use Pinterest for your business. You can promote on Twitter, on YouTube. There's so many other social media sites that, can help you gain traction. And I had to learn to do that because I didn't know. I thought just Facebook and Instagram were the way to go. Sometimes you have to go out there and you have to do a video. Sometimes you have to go out there and talk to people in public. There's just certain things that you, you have to step out of your comfort zone to do. Cause if you keep staying in your safe space, it might not work and it's okay. Just grab onto somebody and say, can you help me? Yeah. And and then you go from there because that's what I had to do. I have a group of, I call them all my mentors because I learned from all of them. Mm. And there's just so many ways to learn now that you don't have to be afraid to just say, I, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And you're not supposed to, you know, start out just instantly knowing everything, right. <laughs> you know, and it's so interesting <laughs> that we can be so hard on ourselves. I was speaking with someone the other day and and she was saying, that uh, you know, she went to university to train to become a vet, uh, and you know that was I think she said seven or eight years or something. And she said, and then you know you come out of that, and then you kind of are in practice, and you're actually being a vet. And she said, you know that that's seen as just normal that it takes that amount of time to become uh, able to do what needs to be done. But then when you start your own business, 
you think, oh, well, in the first year, I'm supposed to instantly know everything. Right. <laughs> so it's so interesting that we don't necessarily give ourselves the same permission that we would if we were starting a degree in something. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it is great that you're sharing that perspective of, of willing to be going out of your comfort zone and doing things that perhaps either you've not done before uh, or that are unfamiliar and also being able to, to ask for help that don't assume that you're supposed to know how to do everything, you know, magically. Um, yeah. Did you have other people in your life that were working for themselves or did you have to sort of go beyond your known connections to to find your different mentors and supporters? Oh, I had to reach out. I didn't, we don't have anybody in my family that are doing solo entrepreneurs. Everybody's mm-hmm. always worked for a corporation or whatever. And I had no idea how to do this. I really had to go out and, and find my tribe. Yeah. And look, it's, and it's so common because I'm very similar. When I grew up, all of my family pretty much were on the employee road. And even when I uh, started the business, the majority of my friends, I think I have one friend who has her own business, uh, but everyone else is an employee. So th- this, what I do, is, is very different. And as much as they love me and might want to cheer me on, they don't understand the sorts of things that I need to do in my business or the challenges that I might be having. So I've had to look outside of that immediate circle to find that group of people that I can have the conversations with about marketing and about, you know, these different online platforms and, and tech things and all that kind of thing. So uh, again, I think it's really important to be sharing that so people know that actually this is quite normal that for the majority of people, they will need to reach outside because they don't necessarily grow up in a family. I guess some people do, but the majority seem to be people that don't have a lot of um, role models or mentors in their immediate circle uh, already existing. They have to go further afield. So, And so what about what are some of the challenges that you feel like you have faced in your last couple of years in, in working for yourself? I. You know, I I used to really be hard on myself because I would have those days where I was just tired. I was not motivated. I just couldn't do it. And Mm. I I started to second guess myself. And then I went through imposter syndrome. And it was just all these things that I, you know, I kept thinking, what am I, why am I doing this? This is not even, I'm not going to be the next Rachel Hollis. Um, I'm not, you know, I just kept telling myself all these things in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I had to, you know, I was talking to other people and I, and I realized it, it's okay. If I mm-hmm. am just in that slump and I have writer's block, I need to just step away, go do something else and then start again tomorrow. And it's okay. And, and, and we, we we're hard on ourselves because we're, we're not, working nine to five every single day you don't have to do that just Mm. you need to do it when you can are ready to put your all in it because if you half-ass it then you're not giving your best product yeah and it's it's so great also that you raise that whole nine to five question because I think it's easy for us when you're transitioning into working for yourself from having been employed to have that as the benchmark of like oh that's a work day and uh, you know, there's there's a few podcasts and things that I've listened to where they talk about the structure of our schooling system, 
as spitting us out to be good employees rather than, you know, it necessarily teaching us the things we need to know in order to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. And then the whole work life of being regimented has got nothing to do with success or output or, or anything that actually you've got to work out your own working rhythm. And for some people, they like the structure of nine to five and they're used to that. Uh, but the people that I'm increasingly speaking to, they one of the things they like about working for themselves is the ability to create a working rhythm that works for them. One that comes to mind is uh, a client of mine and she is a true night owl. So she really comes into her own from a content creation and a you know work output perspective late at night. And so she will often work until 2 a.m., and then she'll sleep in and, you know, get up a bit later. And so for her, it's been incredibly liberating to start to work for herself because she's been able to create a rhythm that really works for her. And she's just working with clients that, you know, understand that that's how, kind of how she works. Uh, for mm-hmm. others, as you said, sometimes you just have a day where you need to go, I need a day. And whether, you know, it's a, a full day or whether you have a, a of of not working or whether it's a low gear day where you just do tasks that aren't necessarily content creating or they're not, uh, you know, the real heavy lifting in your business, but they're things that need to be done just so that you're not pushing yourself constantly to be, you know, high performing all the time. Because I don't think that's possible and it's probably not healthy to expect that. Yes. You know, I I realized that I needed to, I didn't have enough self-care and I wasn't paying attention to my kids. So mm-hmm. now, now that we're all stuck at home, I, I have to remember to get out the computer and go spend some time with my son and, yeah. and then and make him lunch or, and I, I still have to be a mom. Mm-hmm. So I, I needed to learn to step away, but I, you know, I don't want to talk bad about the nine to five people. Cause if you are nine to five, I, I mean, that was me, but I was like five to whatever we were yeah. allowed to go home. But uh, I, I think we have to remember to just get up out of our seat and take a walk. Yeah. And then come back because we often are just glued to the seat. We're glued to the computer <laughs> and we come home and we're like, don't talk to me. I don't want to do anything. And so that's, you know, good for anybody and not even for yourself. So I think with no matter what business you have, I think you have to remember to take a time out just for a few minutes. Go walk, go have your coffee, go drink your tea, go stretch, do something because you're going to lose yourself. Yeah. You're going to melt such a good reminder and and I feel like uh, for me even though I in what I do I am often working from home but I used to travel quite a bit with my work as well to deliver training and workshops and I've noticed that the increase in time at home working from home even though it feels similar mm-hmm. what I've noticed is in the last couple of weeks Uh, I haven't been as good at the self-care, particularly during the day. I'm good with a morning routine and I I will generally be exercising in the morning and I have a meditation practice that I do. But then once I get into it, it really kind of just goes and goes and goes and then I kind of get into a flow and then my husband comes home from work and I'm still trying to finish things up and it's that endless feeling of like it's never done. So I feel like that's a bit of a trap, especially for people, you know, are a bit in that high achiever space. They're used to loving their work and really immersing into it, that the importance of building in those self-care tips for people. 
I think are really important. But I'm, I'm interested to to hear from you without going, I guess, too far down the rabbit hole. You describe yourself now as a, a mental health advocate and and blogger. What are some of your observations around that as an area uh, that I guess is becoming more important for people to be talking about? What's your observation of how things maybe have have, have changed or what you've learned since you've immersed into that side of things? Well, I've definitely seen an increase of people talking about it more. Um, not a lot, but it's, it's still slowly climbing. It's still slowly trying to come out of this shell because of the stigma that's out there. And, and, you know, I mean, the suicide rates are still, unfortunately, they're still out there and there's, it's still just terribly sad, but I, I just know that from growing up until now, it's definitely changed. We're, we're, we're trying to not normalize it. We're just trying to create more spaces to talk about it. There's a lot, there's more nonprofits for it. There's more Facebook groups. There's more, there's more of everything to help other people have that place to talk. Mm. So, um, you know, I've definitely seen some changes, but there is always going to be that small percentage of people who are like, I'm just not ready and, and it's okay. And so that's when I try to help people. It's okay. If you're not ready, if you want to message me, it could be private you know, if you want to talk, you don't have, you can, you can message me instead of sending me your phone number. It's just, I give them, there's so many different options now, especially with the crisis text line and, mm-hmm. and suicide hotline and, and all that. So I think there's just, there's still some fear. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if that's ever going to go away, but I just, as long as there's resources out there, I think it could get better. Yeah, and it does seem to be, you know, an area I agree that's talked about more now certainly than when I was growing up or even in my early work life, which I think is a really uh, good thing. And there's still so much, I guess, that's that's unknown and potentially, as you say, maybe for some people there is still a, an element of a stigma of, of being able to talk about it but also what I'm curious about, and, and you may not you know, know the answer to this, but I'm curious about for people, how would they recognise that actually they potentially are having a, a mental health challenge? What are the sorts of things that you would regard as you know, the symptoms or the early signs that potentially they would benefit from you know, getting some support in that area? I know for me, looking back at, to how I used to act, self-isolation. I I, I used to have really bad anger issues. I used to rage. I used to be not pleasant at all. And I didn't, and even when people, you know, my family told me, maybe you should go talk to somebody, I thought I could fix it myself. Mm -hmm. So once you start feeling that you just don't want to be around anybody, that you're angry all the time, or you're happy one time, you're depressed another time, all those little things, they they build up and it, it could it could consume you. It could it could take over you because that that's what it did with me. And mm. and you know, I, I still have some good and bad days, but it's nowhere near how I used to be. And, you know, it's okay to talk to somebody. I think that's what's also one of the problems is that seeking therapy or psychologists or psychiatrists, it's so, 
people scoff at that. And that shouldn't be that case. There's Mm -hmm. so many people out there that are seeing therapists. You don't even know about it. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's okay. Famous people, actors, actresses—they're all—they all have a life coach or a therapist or whatever. And it, you know what? Or it's both. okay. Who, or both, and who cares? Yeah, it's okay. And I and I I told people I don't know a few months ago. Yes, I have a therapist. You know what? It's okay because we all need our own person. Mm. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think that's what we need to tell people. If you have all those little feelings, you don't have to tell everybody. Just make that call and go see them because you know, you know, inside something's wrong. You're just afraid to say it because you don't want people to judge you for it. Yeah. Right. So I guess, because I think that's one thing that, you know, when I look back on when I was in my last corporate role, I uh, was unhappy in that role for quite a long time and stayed probably, you know, because of, you know, comfort zone of, of income. And I loved the people that I was working with and all of that kind of thing. But it wasn't until sometime after I I left that job and started doing my own thing that I looked back on it and I wondered to myself, I wonder if actually I I was depressed for some of that time, but I just didn't realize that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why I guess I asked that question of what are what are some of the the things that people could be on the lookout for? And I think as you said, you know the um, the roller coaster of emotions of either whether it's, it's the anger or you know then suddenly you know you're super happy or you, just I guess that uh, feeling of emotions being very varied and that feeling of wanting to be isolating from others is probably you know some of the tangible things and, and the thing that stood out for me of what you've said was around that, that people generally know However, it's the internal judgment of what that might mean about them or what they worry about other people thinking if they say, hey, I I feel like I need to go and talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess the work that you do is is another one of those resources that can help people, you know, with, with that, you know, whether it's just the first step is just reading your your blog to sort of start to get insights and to realise like you did many years ago, that actually you're not alone in having some of these thoughts or these these feelings. Yes, I. That's yeah. I, that's why I try to just be honest with the good and the bad days with the blog because it's not always going to be Instagram pretty. It's not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to have all those perfect pictures because you know what? This is my life. But you know, you don't. How do I put this? Not everybody is like that. And that's okay. That's just how I chose to be because that's how I saved myself. Mm. And that's how I help other people. So yes, you could put all the Instagram pretty pictures you want up there and that's okay. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that I, for myself, that's how I help myself and other people is because Mm. I am putting the real life self up there that it's hard to be a parent. It's hard to be a spouse. It's hard to be uh, a woman, <laughs> it's hard, mm-hmm. you know, it's cause it, it could be lonely doing all these little things. So, and that's what I, that's what I put out there. And so that's how I've had people reach out to me is by one little blog and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, if people want to connect with you, find out more, read your blog, uh, and to, to, to I guess, see some of the other, um, offerings that you have, how do people connect with you where they find you? 
Oh, yes, ma'am. So uh, everything can be found through a wild ride called life.com. Great business name. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so they go and check out the, the, the blog and they can um, connect with you there. Uh, Annette, I'm curious, are there any other thoughts that you've got? Because you've been doing the blog for, you know, three, four years now. Any other final tips or thoughts that you want to share that could be beneficial for someone who's perhaps got an idea of something they might like to explore as their next part of their work life, but they're hesitating about it or they're, or they're unsure? Anything that you think you'd like to share that we haven't covered yet? I, you know, I just, I always revert back to going with what is really in your heart and it's going to be scary and there's going to be days where you're, you're going to fall, but you just need to keep getting back up because if that's really what you want to do, it's going to work out. It might not work out in a month or a year, but it's going to get there. And I think what will happen, what's meant to be, it will come, it will come in time. We just Mm -hmm. need to learn to have patience and we need to keep going for our goal. And to remember your why. Why do you want it? And yeah. keep going for that. Yeah, and I think that's always such an interesting one because, you know, we can want things to happen really quickly. And yes. when they don't, it can be frustrating. And then it becomes that layer of what are you making that mean? Uh, and is it time to bail out because it hasn't worked straight away? And I feel like that question of remembering your why and also connecting to that bigger picture of who do you want to be like in this one wild ride called life you know <laughs> what what is it that you want to be doing that feels like your flavor of adding value and making a difference because they're the things that I think if you can look longer term and see yourself as this is something that I can imagine myself committing to over the longer term then you're more likely to, to push through some of those um, challenges that come up or things taking longer than we want them to rather than, it, you know, going into something and expecting that it, you're going to be this overnight success because I think it, that's very rare. And even I actually did a, a, an interview a little while ago with someone who stumbled into her business idea uh, and was, you know, miraculously booked solid within three months and then she had a different problem. She wasn't actually geared up to be able to handle that. So even though we might think that we want all this rapid success straight away, that's not always a win either. So I think it's an an interesting one that, you know, as you say, things are going to happen in their own time and everything has their pros and cons. So the clearer you can be on your why and your vision, then the easier it becomes for you to create a work life that actually works for you in whatever season you're, you're in. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so where is next for, for you and this wild ride called life? Do you have I, ideas at, of where you want to take it? I, I do. I, you know, I, I love public speaking. So once this is all in over and, and much better for the world, that that's what I want to continue doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm actually currently writing my book. So that's, oh, that's my mix. That's my next biggest um, goal. And again, with that, that's taken years to do, but I found, you know, I found my motivation and my passion and now I'm really, I'm really doing it. So, you know, it's just everything we want to do is just, it's just going to, we need to learn to have patience and that's my biggest, biggest problem. So (laughs) 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 I want it now, but I know it's, you know, it's not ready. God knows when you're ready. So yes. 
So my book, my book is book and public speaking. Yeah, fantastic. Were you doing some public speaking before the whole corona uh, crisis kicked in? No, I was. I, I actually did. I flew out to Arizona to do one and I absolutely loved it, which is funny because I never liked speaking before. So yeah, <laughs> I was going to yeah. say you mentioned before that you, you didn't think that you were a good writer and, you know, public speaking was definitely not your thing. But isn't it amazing that when you find that thing that you're passionate about, you find your voice that, you know, suddenly you're able to find a way to embrace these different skills that you maybe avoided in the past. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and yes, God has definitely, he's helped me so many ways. So I love it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Annette, thank you again so much for your time and for sharing so openly about your experience and your road into creating this blog. And I'm really uh, so pleased that you have found this and that you're investing your time and energy into creating these resources and support that's just so incredibly important more than ever uh, at the, the moment. And so I really look forward to seeing how things unfold as you keep doing more speaking and you get your book out in the world. Thank you so much. I'm truly honored to be on here. Thank you. You're very welcome. So that's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But if you are at a point where you have an idea and you feel like the next phase of your work life is going to be you working for yourself, then one of the first things that you really, really need to get sorted is the money side of things. And I'm not just talking about figuring out how much money it's going to cost you to get a logo or and a website done. I'm talking about you and how you handle the money side of your work and life. And to get you started on that, one of the things that you need to know is that there are actually five money zones. And these are five aspects of your life that influence how you think, feel and act around and with money, how much you earn, what you do with the money that you earn, how it helps you or holds you back. There's a whole relationship that you have with money. So if you're going to create a successful, thriving business that gives you the sort of freedom and lifestyle that you want to enjoy, then you really need to know what the five money zones are and which one of the five zones you need to work on first based on your unique situation in order to have the biggest positive impact on how much money you earn and keep. And you can discover all about the money zones right now in an easy five-minute money breakthrough quiz that I've created that you can get your hands on right now at thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. I'll put a link in the show notes for you as well, but it's thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. And I really do encourage you to go and check it out because if you can get your money side of things sorted, then trust me, everything else becomes so much easier for you to start and grow your own business. When you don't have the money side sorted, it tends to be the fastest handbrake to your creativity and your business growth. So go do that now. You've got nothing to lose. Go do the quiz, figure out your money zones and go have a great week. See you next week.